right. Well, again, so good to be with you for worship this morning. Um, today, in the life of our church, is an um, annual members meeting. And I'm not, I know not all of you are, are members as such, and that doesn't sound very exciting, but it's really important in the life of our church. Membership has come to look like this um, very, kind of bureaucratic type of thing, but in the life of our church, the notion of membership is to be a part of a body. It's to be a part of a community. And so I want to encourage you, whether you are committed in the form of official membership or you're simply um, visiting and trying to discern where God would have you, love for you to stay after uh, our service today and to hear some about what it's uh, the, the inner workings of our church is like and what's going on here. Um, but for, for me, in this sermon is a chance for me to share with you some significant things that are on, uh, on my heart and what I'm praying about and thinking about in the life of our church. I, I do want to start very personally. This week always falls on the anniversary of when I started at Lamb. So November 15th was the date I can remember because... It was when payroll ended at the other church, and they were like, you should go on the payroll at Lamb. Um, and, uh, and so I started on November 15th, uh, eight years ago. And, but, but then two years before that was when we moved to the area. So this is a, a really cool, special thing to me. And one, one part of this is just the great privilege it is to be a part of this body of believers so our son, our oldest son, was three months old when we moved here, and he's about to be 10. And so to get to see our family grow, in case you don't know, there are now four of those. Uh, the youngest is two. And it's becoming more and more significant that our family is growing roots here. So even when I think about the possibility of you guys forcing me to leave or something, it's like... No, our family's staying because this would be hard on our family right now. Unless the Lord says otherwise, we're here. Our family is becoming more and more rooted here, and we are so grateful. So in, to start off, I just want to say thank you, and thank you to the Lord. This, this is a great gift in the life of our family to be a part of this body of believers. If you are visiting, I hope that's a testimony to you of the blessing of this place. It is a wonderful group of people to be a part of and will shape you in wonderful ways if you commit to it. Now, one of the things that has really shaped my thinking about the life of our church, especially these last few years, is a quote that I want to share with you. Some of you will have heard me use this quote before. The quote is, the medium is the message. The medium is the message. What in the world does that mean? Well, the guy who developed, coined this quote, he studied communications. He studied communications in the 50s to the 70s. He was a devout Christian also. And he was studying things, the media and things like television. And what he was saying is that the things that we listen to and receive from the television will not shape us nearly as much as the medium itself, like the television. And then he was thinking about computers that are coming into development. And I like to think of this in light of these things. Right? 
Okay, I don't care what it is that you're do, reading about when you do this. This thing is shaping you and us much more than whatever we're reading on this thing. It makes us more and more individualistic. It separates us from community more and more. Are we really surprised that they're saying we have an epidemic of loneliness, even though we're doing this and supposedly connected through this? Sorry, this is a little bit of a soapbox. But I want to apply this to our church. God has chosen that his people would be the medium of his message. When we talk about our mission as abiding in Christ, the reason that is so vital is because Jesus says if we do not abide in him, we can do nothing. Does that mean we can't tie our shoes? That we can't perform some functions of daily life? We can't make money? Things like, well, of course not. Jesus isn't saying that you can do absolutely nothing. What he's saying is that if you do not abide in him, your life will not bear the kind of fruitfulness that he has designed you to bear as a human being. And I like to apply this to our church. The work that God wants to do through our church starts with the transforming work that he wants to do in each of our lives and in the life of this church as a whole. The, the work that God wants to do in our community, it starts as part of his transforming work in our own lives. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians that we heard from just a moment ago. Paul says, We all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. From this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And then he goes straight from speaking about the transformation that's supposed to occur in the life of the believer to talking about evangelism. And talking about those who do not know the Lord. Listen to what he says. Therefore having this ministry by the mercy of God. We do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth. We would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. What is the proof of God's work in the world? Paul says we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. We're not going to change what the God's word says in order to persuade people to believe. Instead, we will persuade people to look at the transformation that's happening in our own lives as evidence of God's work in the world. The medium is the message. And the medium of God's message of his mercy in Jesus Christ is you and me. And this is so important because as human beings, one of the things we're most vulnerable to is segmenting our lives into different categories. We've done this all throughout human history. We've segmented in our, our lives into secular and spiritual. We've segmented our lives into the different roles that we may play in our lives. 
parent or child, son, daughter, worker, but then also things like worship and following a faith. We divide these things so easily. This happens, it, it, it happens especially in places like work versus a religious life. Paul is saying, you cannot segment your life. All of your life is to be a transformation, an ongoing transformation into the image of the Lord Jesus. And that transformation in itself is the message that God wants to proclaim to the world about himself, to draw others to himself. This is the work that we're trying to do at Lamb. We want to bear witness to God in the community, in the world, but that work if it's not happening here and in our own lives, then the proclamation that we do has, has no integrity. In a sense, it's a lie. That proclamation only works if we are being transformed ourselves. Now, hear me, I'm not suggesting that we have to be perfect. In fact, I'm suggesting the opposite. What we have to be is people who are acknowledging our sin and allowing the mercy of God to work itself out in our lives. Confessing our sins to God and to one another. Humbling ourselves before God. Admitting that in our weakness, God is actually strong. That's the transformation that bears witness to the world that God is real. That he's merciful and in kind. And that through his son, he's bringing redemption into our lives. The medium is the message. And God's medium is us. And so I want to ask you, if that rings true in your life, are you experiencing God's transformation in your own soul? Do you find yourself going from one degree of glory to another? Because of your relationship with the Lord Jesus. And I, I want to name some specific things in the life of our church related to this. One of the reasons that our worship is the way it is. Is so that hopefully you will see the Lord Jesus more and more in the presence of our worship. Not the, necessarily the people leading. But you'll see in this sacredness. A sense of the Lord's presence and his spirit among us. There are several places in the life of our church where we are inviting you into transformation. It's not that these places are magic, but we're creating spaces where if you come to those with a willingness to have the Lord work in your life, there's a great possibility that he will. Parish groups are one of the places where we invite people into relationship with each other and with the Lord. People read scripture, they eat together, they pray together. And these aren't magic spaces, of course. And from week to week, there might not even be anything that exciting that happens in those. But over time, from week to week, you form real relationships with people you can be vulnerable with people in a way that it's hard to be in the world. You can have people who are bearing your burdens with you. And there's a kind of transformation that can happen in that. 
youth and children's ministries are a place where our church, in wonderful ways, is inviting our younger generation into transformation in the image of the Lord Jesus. Did you know that on Friday afternoons from 3.30 to 5.15, there are 30 three to nine-year-old children who gather in the parsonage and in the basement and in the garage on our property and who are um, presented with a relationship with the Lord Jesus in a way that's appropriate to their age. Um, Renee, Renee, could you stand so that everyone can see who you are? So Renee leads our children's ministries and our youth ministry, and there are about 15 adults who are participating in these in various ways. Renee was telling a story of a child the other day, about seven, eight years old, who they have like a, a table that's like our Eucharist table, and the kids can participate with elements in, in, that are their age, their size. So a child a couple of weeks ago was raising up the bread just like we do in our service and acting as if they were the priest raising up the bread to the congregation. And the child had this beaming smile on his face as he was doing this, recognizing this was a special moment that he was participating in. Our children are being formed in the life of the church through these ministries. There are youth here every, almost every Sunday after service who pray together, who eat together, and then they're being taught hands-on projects. Did you know that our youth, this new entrance that's right outside the barn, our youth helped prepare that lumber to go up right there? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that cool? So our youth helped with these doors here, which don't look like real doors, but they're going to be real doors, right? And they're helping shape that so that the wind isn't gusting through here when we, um, yeah, when we have that open. You can go in and out and not have to have that, that huge door. So youth and children's ministries are this place where people are having the opportunity to be transformed into the image of Jesus, Here's one, a couple of other places that I want to make sure you know about. You do not have to wait for people to pursue you in relationships at Lamb to start growing in some really deep ways. So there are these organic groups that have developed that many of you would not be aware of, but I get the pleasure of knowing about them. There are women in our church who have gathered simply based on painful experiences that they've had in their lives. They gather regularly just to pray for each other and bear one another's burdens. The common ground is they have faced deep, painful wounds in their lives. There are several men who are gathering in our church right now to discuss something called rule of life. How to orient all their life toward devotion to God. Confessing to each other the ways that they waste time and trying to get on a better track in their lives. These are just organic groups where these people have found others and said, Hey, would you want to get together? I want to encourage you especially as our church grows, to find these small groups of people where you can gather, be vulnerable, and continue to grow into the image of the Lord Jesus. The medium is the message. And the medium is us. The Lord wants to communicate His grace through the transforming work He's doing in our lives. So do you 
Are, are you experiencing God's transformation in your own soul? And an extension of that question is, is, are you going to the places and with the people where that transformation can happen? It's not that you can control the transformation in your life, but you can open your life more and more to that transformation through the people and places that you gather. This is a burden on my soul. That Lamb would be a place where we would continue to be transformed into the image of the Lord Jesus. Now a second part of this, of what's happening here, is that we, by God's grace, are shaping this place, this property, as an extension of that medium. We, this property is becoming a medium of God's message in itself. Let me explain that some. There's this great theme in the Bible that places reflect the people who rule them. Okay? Have any of you read or seen the movie Chronicles of Narnia? Anybody? So in that story, there's a woman named the White Witch who rules over Narnia. Do you remember this? The land is... Yeah, see that? The land is frozen while the white witch rules. Lewis describes it as being always winter and never Christmas. Doesn't that sound awful? Always winter and never Christmas. The land is reflecting the harshness and the coldness of the white witch. And Lewis in that story is telling us about something of scripture. In Isaiah, we heard that the, the people long for the Spirit to come down on their land so that the wilderness might become a fruitful garden. In Leviticus, we hear about the land of Israel that vomited out its former inhabitants because of their wickedness. Isn't that crazy? Paul says in the book of Romans chapter 8 that the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. It's as if the creation is saying to God, please help them get their act together so that we don't have to suffer so much. Now, we are not so arrogant to believe that we can turn this into a perfect place. And the point of this place is not that it is the most beautiful place on earth. It's really not the point. The point is that Christians throughout history have set aside places that they can nurture with their love, that they can pray in, so that those places become a living embodiment of the God that they worship. We're not trying to make this into a pristine place or a perfect place. What we are trying to do by God's grace is pour out our love and our prayers and even our sweat here so that by God's grace we can make this into a place that we can welcome the lonely, people who have no family, the poor, the outcast, so that this becomes a living embodiment of God's message the medium is the message, and we want this place to become a medium of God's message. Now, this is an unusual usual vision for many people. And so I want to talk for just a moment about why this is so near to my heart and to the hearts of others who are here. 
I hope that some of you would be willing to read a book called The Celtic Way of Evangelism. If you Come to me after the service if you want to hear that again. The Celtic Way of Evangelism. I'm going to tell you just a little bit about it first. It tells the story of St. Patrick. St. Patrick is the guy that we drink beer, uh, green beer in remembrance of um, once a year. This book does not talk about that. Okay, there's a better part of St. Patrick's story. St. Patrick went to Ireland when Ireland had no Christians. He went there and in his lifetime planted over 50 churches. He converted 30 to 40 of the 150 tribes of Ireland to Christianity. He is known as the first European to ever protest slavery. And within his lifetime or soon after, the slave trade was abolished in Ireland before any other slave trade in the world in the 400s A.D. This was before it was cool to protest these things. What he did was amazing, and here's how he did it. He established communities of people who worshipped and worked together. And they welcomed people in through hospitality so that they could show them the love of God. They welcomed people in to a living picture of the love of God. This is why we're doing this work on this property. So that we can welcome the community in and turn it into a picture of God's love. I do want to share with you a few ways that this is happening right now. So one, lots of people in our church are pouring their love, prayers, and sweat into this place. This is evidenced by terrace gardens that are up on the hill. Our people have done this. And again, this isn't about making this into a pristine and perfect place. While they've done that, they've grown closer in their relationships together. And that's a fruit of God's love and his gospel. Another fruit, Redeemer classical students from down the road are here once a week working and learning skills, life skills. But they're also being taught about how Christian faith connects to all of life. While they're here. Daniel has a vision to see a workshop that goes uh, in the property just over here. So that Redeemer students can learn more and more hands-on skills. And our youth can learn those hands-on skills. And they can work together and see how the Christian faith plays out in every single area of their life. Their worship and their work. Daniel has also started a coffee company called Abbey Coffee Roasters. And Tristan Napotnik, who's sitting back there, creating this, created this really amazing logo for it. If you haven't seen it, it's on the coffee that's in the back. And just about six months into this coffee company, coffee is going to people all over our community. Did you know there are people who have shown up in church just because they heard about us through coffee? We call them coffee converts. Okay. <laughs> The Christian Study Center at UVA is buying coffee from Abbey Coffee Roasters for UVA students who go and study there during the week. Look, the point of this is not just about coffee. The point is that our church can make inroads into the community so that people have, who have no connection with a church just through buying coffee, can see some connection with a church and wonder, what are they doing? 
Why is that going on? And the point of this also is that this money goes directly back into ministry through the life of our church. And Daniel, more and more, is going to employ people who need help, who are struggling, but who also need the dignity of work to help them in their struggle. Giving money to people is a wonderful thing to do, but it's even more wonderful if you can equip people with dignifying work in giving them money. And so this is a way that our church is able to reach out and serve this community. So the medium is the message, and we are shaping this place into a medium of God's message. Now I'm going to close by talking about the challenges that we're going to face as we continue to move ahead. Challenges are part of life, and challenges are not inherently a bad thing. Challenges give us the opportunity to grow together and to grow closer to God as we humble ourselves before Him and acknowledge our need for His help. One challenge we're going to face is how we'll respond to our growth, our physical growth. You know, some of us, when we see new people come, we can start to feel smaller and unseen. And I want to challenge you not to live into that fear. I want to challenge you as you see more and more people come. One, please introduce yourself to new people. Two, find groups, smaller and smaller groups where you can grow intimate with people. The reality is that none of us can know everyone. None of us, no matter how extroverted we are, can know everyone in a deep way. And part of Christianity is you have to be in places where you know others and you are known by others. So please, find places where you can grow deeply in relationship and fellowship with others. And this challenge can turn into something fruitful and wonderful for our church. Interim worship is another way that we'll face challenges. I, some, some of you were not here during COVID, a lot of you. Our church worshiped, someone was mentioning this week, Joe actually was mentioning that remembering our worship in 25 degree weather during COVID. Some of you are like, uh, I was here, but I was not there. Um, he was mentioning how much our church grew together in relationships during that time. You really do grow together when you face adversity. I want to challenge all of us. Some of this is going to be hard. We're going to really try hard to get the uh, covering built out of here, out over here as soon as possible. We're talking about the ways to make this more conducive long term. But please do rally together. Find those places of belonging during this time. And don't drift to the sidelines during all of this. Lastly, the challenge we'll face is the long term. Look, th this is a great gift. There are some people who are saying, I hope we never build anything else. And you guys are crazy, and I love you for that. Look, sewage and water, those are good, reasonable needs for a church, right? For people. Um, also, you really need to know, if you love this, that's great. There are people for whom this is really hard. This is not hospitable for people at every stage of life. That, that's part of it. 
So uh, the vestry has had to shift their attention right now to providing for these interim worship needs. But very soon, even January, the vestry is going to be shifting back to thinking about how do we provide for our church long term? How do we get a structure on this property where everyone can be well cared for? We can continue to grow and minister in this place that God has called us to minister. And I want to ask you to pray for us in that. Pray for our church in that. Pray that the Holy Spirit would continue to lead and provide for us. And the last part of this. I think this is one of the greatest challenges we face. Will we continue to trust God's provision in our lives and in the life of our church? I've been burdened having read this passage uh, several weeks ago by a phrase from the book of Malachi chapter 3. The phrase comes from a place where God is commanding his people, give to me, give to me. And here's what he says he will do. He says, I will open the windows of heaven. I will pour down, and here's the phrase that's so significant, until there is no more need. I want to assure all of us that the way God provides for his people is not through our own resources. It's not. The way God provides for his people is when we together, all of us, give of ourselves and all that we have to our ability, no matter how small or how great that is, and God responds and he gives until there is no more need. So if you're calling yourself part of Church of the Lamb, I want to ask you, I want to call you into this together. The medium is the message. We are that medium. Will you rally together with us as a body, give of yourself to the extent that you are able, and trust that the Lord will open the windows of heaven until there is no more need. He is our Lord, our King. He gave of Himself a gift that none of us can account for, His own Son. And He will give us everything that we need in our lives and in the life of our church. So again, just to close, the medium is the message. And that message is us. Are you experiencing God's power and love in your life? I hope that you are. And if you're visiting or if you're part of our church, if you're not, I hope that you'll hear the Lord Jesus inviting you to come closer to him today and to trust that he will give himself to you and he will give you all that you need. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.